Welcome to the Saddle School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, June 4th, we look at Lesson 10, Jacob Israel. Together, let's find out why Jacob's name was changed and what implications it has for us today. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are at Lesson 10, Jacob, Israel. And the memory text comes from Genesis 32, verse 28. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And uh, isn't that very telling of what's about to happen as we unfold these pages? You know, Buster, I, what I really love is that here's a, another example of real human beings having their struggles, not just highlighting, you know, their accomplishments and their mountaintop experiences, but also the journey between those mountaintops. Yeah, exactly, Michael. And I love that with those experiences comes name uh, comes name name changes, right? So we have mm-hmm. Abram to Abraham, and then we have here Jacob to Israel. And it mm-hmm. reminds me of when we get to heaven, how our names will change, right? Based on our characteristics and based on what's happened. Uh, I wish that we still had that practice, right? Like where Joseph was Joseph, then all of a sudden he became Barnabas son of encouragement, right? So, <laughs> uh, but but here, tell us a little bit about the, a Sunday's lesson, Michael, wrestling with God. Sure. It, it reminds me of something I do in Adventist history class that this is a little tangent, but but I can't help it, Buster. Uh, and, and Joseph Bates, when he comes back from having discovered the Sabbath truth, yes. he's just so excited. He sees James Madison Monroe Hall on the bridge there in Fairhaven to New Bedford. And he asks him, what's the news? And he says, the news is the seventh day is the Sabbath. But I always ask my students, James Madison Monroe Hall, the, the old 19th century American practice that you name your child after the president of the United States. <laughs> and uh, it's always interesting as administrations and politics change. But I've over the years asked that many times, how many are you going to name your kid after the president of the United States? So I always get a <laughs> get a, a few good chuckles. But names mean something, right? Yes, names, they do. They names really mean do. something, especially in the Bible. Yeah. All right. Well, coming back to, to Genesis 32 and uh, verses 22 to 31, I'm not going to read um, all of this, but I do want to highlight a couple of things that I think are really important and of course, we know a little bit of the background that Jacob is trying to to uh, he, he's trying to get out of uh, Laban's uh, influence and control, right. and so he has to leave. Uh, and so, in the midst of this process, and it says he's at the ford of the river Jabbok, uh, that uh, he sends over all of his things, his possessions, uh, his cattle his family, all of the stuff that, and he stays behind. And verse 24 says that he was left alone. Mm. Uh, and and while he was left alone, it says that a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And he says, let me go for it. It's daybreak. And Jacob replies, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
So here is this, uh, this incredible struggle that is going on. And at some point, it's no longer just a struggle, but he's wrestling with God. And, and I think this is kind of where a lot of people where I can relate to this, because how often are there those moments in our lives where we find ourselves not just in conflict or tension, but you find yourself wrestling with God. You know, why God is this happening to me? Oh, yeah, why absolutely. God is, you know, why are these things going on in my life? And you, you have, what, what's have the to answer? What's the direction, right? Yeah. And there, there are these existential moments, Buster, where we are found in need of having to wrestle with God. And that's, I think, the beauty um, of this struggle is, is and, and he realizes after a certain point, he's not just wrestling with anybody, but he's wrestling with, uh, with God himself. And that's when this conversation takes place after this. Verse 27, the man asked, what's your name, Jacob? He answered, and then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Mm. And and I think that's just uh, beautiful because there's a beautiful outcome. There's there's a process through which Jacob, now Israel, goes uh, and, and, and ultimately uh, he ends up I, I guess you, maybe the the best way to put it is, is surrendering, but he he realizes right. that he's in need of God, and uh, and probably limping a little bit here too, uh, and 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 this is this is what's going on. Um, and, and by the way, Ellen White has an interesting insight from Patriarchs and Prophets that's in the lesson that I, I want to mention. It says the error that had led to Jacob's sin in obtaining the birthright by fraud was now clearly set before him. He had not trusted God's promises, but had sought by his own efforts to bring about what that which God would have accomplished in his own time mm. and way. So, so really what we have is, is um, that temptation to want to get ahead of God. God always wanted to bless him and would work things out, but, but he was not patient and not willing to trust that God was going to bring about what it is that he needed to do. Um, incidentally, uh, I've had some interesting conversations lately because of some of my research and some of my new book on, on 22 and, and, and going a little bit further from that with, with Adventism and, and last generation theology. And I, I just want to pause for a minute because this is often used do it. as an example of God's people at the very end of time, at the close of probation, when they are living without a mediator. And so here we have um, this, this kind of description of God's people at that very end of time, that final struggle right before Jesus comes. And, and yet I think the most obvious thing a lot of people forget is they think they're focused on the struggle, the wrestling, the hard part of it, but they forget that that even in the midst of their struggle, who are they struggling with? Yeah. Who's there with them through that process? It's it's Jesus. Yeah. We are never at a point when we don't do not need Jesus. And and so even at the 
I don't know, shall we say the lowest point or the, 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 the point of greatest struggle when Jacob has depended on himself to work things out, he realizes that his final temptation is, is, is his own temptation, is himself, to trust in himself and not to trust fully in God. And God's people at the very end of time, when they're waiting for Jesus at the close of probation, who is it that they wrestle and struggle with at the very end? It's, it's Jesus that is there and will be with them through the very end. So I love this beautiful example of of God's people, of Jacob himself, historically in the Bible, but but the sim symbolic depiction or whatever you want to call it of God's people at the very end, here they are wrestling with Jesus. And, and that's our greatest temptation. I think it always yeah. will be is to trust in ourselves. We're not really willing and, and, and believing that God can take care of us, that God can take care of whatever situation we find ourselves in. And that struggle of self, is is our perpetual uh, struggle that we have and and to just completely trust and surrender in jesus well well michael i was gonna i was gonna say this uh mm. it's not just who he is struggling uh, struggling with it was what he's struggling against and he yeah. was trying to overcome and overpower and so the yeah. true struggle was wrestling self-reliance versus his own strength God, right wow and so yeah. in, our, in our own wrestling uh yeah. and th this is the problem that we have today it was this a lot of people have not wrestled with God. Uh, they're doubting wow. the existence of God. Well, no, no, Mercy. they're wrestling with them, but they don't, they don't acknowledge it. And mm. Jacob acknowledging, recognizing that it's God. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we have to acknowledge God and we have to realize we're still wrestling our self-reliance versus our dependency on him. And dependency should win every time, but God will allow us to continue struggling. Right. Yeah. Um, but will we prevail? And the only way that we prevail is through dependency. Beautiful. Well, I, I think uh, moving right along through the lesson, the brothers meet. And uh, after the struggle, there's this kind of what happens next. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the brothers meet. So from Penuel, uh, we, we find that in Genesis 33, and this is very memorable, memorable to me because uh, this is one of my first deep exegetical sermons that I did in my first district. Uh, nice. And I, I was just so touched by, uh, by the story uh, yeah. because Jacob is about to meet Esau and he knows that Esau, uh, it says that he's afraid of him because he's a man of the sword, meaning mm -hmm. he's, he's killed. He's killed a lot of people. Uh, yeah. And Jacob knows this. The rumor is going about he's always been a hunter. He's always been a warrior. And so Jacob's thinking, well, surely he's going to destroy me. So he sends mm. uh, his family out before him, all, all those good things. But when he gets there, he bows himself seven times before his brother. And yeah. uh, this is saying, OK, listen here, I've messed up. I'm sorry. This is him saying, I, I've done you wrong. I've stolen your birthright twice and you I deserve death. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'm coming before you as a servant. And I, I love this verse 13 and 15 of this says, but Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and herds, which are nursing are with me. And if the man and the man should drive them hard one day, the flock would die. Please let my Lord go ahead before a servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace of livestock and children before me until I come uh, until my Lord uh, come to my Lord and Sarah. And Esau said, now let me leave you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? 
let me find favor in the sight of my Lord, right? So we find this place where they reunite it. And he's saying, I'm going to bless you even more, Jacob. And Jacob's like, no, I deserve to bless you. And they're fighting over this. And so what was supposed to be this horrible rivalry actually turns into a blessed moment. And it comes back to his name change. His name is Israel because he has uh, wrestled with God and man and has prevailed. So God opened up, I believe, the heart of Esau. Of course, there's a choice there, but Esau chose to open up his heart back again to his brother. And we see this wonderful reunion of them coming back together, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so also verse uh, four of Genesis 33, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Uh, And so it's just this beautiful, wonderful moment of reuniting. Uh, and something else I was going to mention here, uh, Michael, it asked this question, what's the implication of this relationship in regard to our relationship with God and our relationship with our brothers, uh, whoever they may be? And as we, as we learn to depend on God after we wrestle with him, it opens, up, it opens us up to have the character of Christ in dealing with people, which oftentimes helps us to prevail with man as well. Uh, once again, some people still choose to dislike you, misuse you, uh, distrust you, but it will not oftentimes be because of sometimes what you've done. Sometimes it is right. Take responsibility for that. But sometimes simply because you show kindness where they show anger or meanness, it opens up this portal for hearts to be opened and say, you know what? I can forgive you because I see that you are deserving of kindness. Right. And that's what's exactly. man. Uh, with God, we don't deserve anything he gives us. But yet he says, because you have prevailed with me, uh, because you've, you've struggled with me and depend on me, therefore, I now forgive you. Mm. And so, Michael, uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's interesting how in the, in, in the process of living our Christian experience, what ends up happening sometimes, it's not always possible, but here we see a move towards um, not only this vertical reconciliation with God, but this horizontal in terms of relationships with our our fellow human beings. In this case, a brother. And how many haven't experienced broken relationships, especially mm. in in families, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. You know what? Anyways, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, think about the moment of not hurling words back at them, but possibly coming back before them, especially if you've done wrong. Mm-hmm. of bowing down seven times before you see your brother or your sister, right? Yeah. Uh, th- think about it. So, Michael, tell us about the, the uh, sad story of Genesis 34, Violation of Dinah. Yeah. So, Buster, this has got to be one of the saddest chapters in all of Scripture. Yeah. And one of the most difficult. Because here you have this, uh, well, the lesson calls it a sordid inc- incident, you know, this, this, uh, Uh, her rape and everything else that is utterly uh it's just reprehensible and and it's just terrible and so uh here you have um them going into the land and there's um some tension that's going on and um this results in uh, not only the violation of dinah but also this whole thing of revenge vengeance yeah yeah and 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 it's just really um it's just you know this is kind of rated r right so there's chapters like this that you have to yeah this is not one of the bedtime bible stories that i read to my kids when they were little yeah um 
Yeah, right? I mean, it's yeah. not not necessarily age appropriate. It takes some time. And, and and some things are in the Bible, not because we're to to copy no. <laughs> their example no. or that we should uh, emulate them in any way, the but example rather to do. Uh, warnings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, and this is one of those chapters. I think that's the only way to really make sense of it uh, because the Bible is working towards the plan of redemption. And in the midst of that, we see our human brokenness and we see humanity at its worst. And that's, that's really what happens in this chapter. And I, I think there's no other way to really um, reconcile or put that in, in my mind. Can you Buster? No, I, I, I can't. Uh, and it like, that's the thing it's life and it opens it up for us and helps us to realize that things back then happened that were horrible and things happen today that are horrible. You know, uh, yeah. recently we had the school shooting and a lot of people are getting after the theodicy and mm-hmm. uh, why, why would a good God allow such suffering? And the, the reason is, you know, the same choice that we have is the same, uh, is a, a blessing and it's a curse because yeah. my neighbor has it as well. If my neighbor wants to come over and do me harm, uh, some, and that's the thing. Sometimes God intervenes and, and sometimes he does not. But I think mm. because God has an eternal perspective and sometimes yeah. our, we're so focused on the temporal that we need to take a step back sometimes and look at the eternal perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, without any, you know, I don't have any more to add to that other than it's just tragic. And like you said, the school shooting is tragic. There's some things in life that are just utter tragedies. And um, if anything, I, I know a lot of people have turned right away to, to gun control, things like that. I have my own views on that, but uh, I'm sure we right. all do. But that... Um, there has to be a moment before we start hashing out all these debates, a, a moment of tenderness and sympathy where we have to recognize the human cost and dimension that it happens when there are great tragedies in our midst. And I think before anything else, um, we need to have uh, some sympathy or even empathy to realize um, how utterly heartbreaking. I've, I've, I've struggled with even how to process this because I only can take what's happened there with the recent school shooting in small doses. There are some things that are just so tragic in life that we have to find ways to work through them, but we have to begin by listening and through a spirit of empathy um, to think of the families that have just been um, impacted uh, by what's just happened in our own home state, Buster. You know? Right. No, yeah. it's just true. Well, uh, prevailing idolatry. Uh, we're on to Genesis 34, Buster. Yeah, so Genesis 34 uh, talked about uh, the attack of, uh, well, the, the, I guess the vengeance that they had against those who had defiled uh, Dinah. But then as we get to 3430, it says, then Jacob said to Simeon, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me and I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot, right? And so then they, of course, come together and they did what they did. But then as, as you get into this entire story, uh, Michael, you recognize something that's been happening all the way from Rachel when she left Laban's place, uh, taking with her some of these gods. And the lesson brings out this point uh, mm. in, in Genesis 34, 
uh, Genesis 34, 30, but it talks about it in Genesis 31, where Rachel had stolen those gods. It says here in the lesson, these idols have been kept and probably worshiped in spite of Jacob's commitment to God. It was not wow. enough for Jacob to leave Shechem in order to escape Canaan, Canaanite influence. Jacob had to get rid of the idols within the camp and in the hearts of his people. And so we see here that this is something that was that he was prevailing with God and wrestling with him, but the people that are around him. Uh, and the reason why I read Genesis 34, 30 is because uh, we see here that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Reuben and Levi, uh, I believe they're quoting or yeah, Le- Simeon and Levi, they're quoting whose land they're in the Canaanites and Perizzites. But hmm. these people, it's not just them that are there. This they're these gods that they're worshiping. And I'm recently reading a, a, an interesting book. It's called God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. And he talks about how, yes, uh, a lot of these lands were worshiping these stone idols or these statues, but behind them, there's actually oftentimes demonic power uh, that sometimes these gods had some power, right? And that mm-hmm. the God who is uh, Elohim or Yahweh, where, whatever you, uh, he has a name, uh, that he is actually the one that's actually in charge and over it. But he does have rules and regulations, and that is not to worship any other gods, or, and especially uh, above him. And yet we see that even amongst the children of Israel, right, even amongst Jacob's family, we see that this is uh, a battle. This is a mm-hmm. prevalent battle. And so uh, I think the lesson was trying to bring out here, it says, the emphasis in this time of God, of Bethel, rather than the place itself, the personal note resonates again when God reminds uh, us the, uh, of Jacob's name is Israel. With the double promise, the blessing implies. Jacob's blessing first means fruitfulness and transmission of the messianic promise, right? But also the second is that it points to the promised land. But God wants to be the God of the promised land, not these other gods. And so in our own lives, we have to look at it and saying, what ways are we allowing portions of idolatry and I don't know, uh, powers that, that are not spiritual or, you know, God spiritual into our lives prevailing against us or with us. And what should we do in order to not only protect ourselves, but to, but to protect those who are with us uh, from these things. And yeah. so uh, I, I appreciate the lesson bringing out that point. And it actually brings us to the death of Rachel, Michael. Yeah, so we're all the way here at the at the end, coming full circle with this this uh, story of Isaac uh, and and Jacob, and of course um, Jacob who becomes Israel, uh, or or Isaac and, and and Esau, excuse me. And um, here we have Rachel passing away, and you know what's interesting is that um, she's giving birth to. Uh, another child, another son who becomes known as, as Benjamin. Benjamin. And it's interesting because I was, I was doing some research on early Adventism. Uh, Otis Nichols, who's one of the strong early supporters, not well known, but one of the strong early supporters of Ellen Harmon before she's even married. Here's her first vision, writes a letter to William Miller. Um, some people attack Ellen as not being a true prophet and he comes to her defense and he and his wife um, are just some of the stalwart defenders. At one point they have no money and they need to travel and Mary hands Ellen a $5 bill. So very generous uh, as well as just 
um, they're, they're almost like surrogate parents, I think, to Ellen um, in that very crucial phase in early Adventism. And it's interesting when you do research on somebody. And what surprised me, I was doing, I was writing a biographical entry for the new Adventist encyclopedia on, on the Nichols, uh, is that he had been married once before. And so I'm, I'm doing this research. I thought, wow, he'd, he'd been married for about two, three years and they had a daughter. And then I looked, Buster, the daughter was born just about the time that the, the mother, his first wife, Otis Nichols' first wife, had died. And then I had this aha moment, like, oh my goodness, she died soon, you know, in, in the process of childbirth or soon wow. thereafter. Wow. And, and so there's all these interesting stories in people's past in history. No one's ever written about that before, right? But it became so obvious that, oh, um, you know, how tragic was that? And, and, and so there's little bits and pieces. But here we actually know the Bible's explicit. It's childbirth. Rachel's not going to make it. There's no NICU for, <laughs> for her and the baby. Um, and, and so she dies. And, and this is kind of the end of an era, right? So, um, and, and, and Jacob will, you know, be traumatized as a result uh, of his mother's passing uh, and, and everything else. And so, um, as a result, they, they go ahead and honor her. They, they bury her in the um, expectation here of, of the promised land, all of this. And this becomes kind of the, the, the marking point or the demarking point. And then the rest of the chapter here in Genesis uh, 30, 35 really is talking about that process where she's buried outside the oak, outside of Bethel, and they name the place and all of these kinds of things. Talks right. about their children, their legacy, all of these things that are so important in ancient Middle Eastern uh, culture and customs. Uh, and and uh, that becomes uh, the end of an era. And the end of chapter 35, verse 27, Jacob comes home to his father Isaac and Mamre. And Isaac lives 180 years. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. And then verse 29, he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years, and his sons Esau and Jacob, that they buried him. So uh, here we have a story. It's a, it's a human story. It's a tragic story. But it's also a story of hope. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, a, and a, a picture of this is why it's a true account. It's real. And mm -hmm. this is not fiction. This is human life. Right. No, none of us wants to deal with death. And yet all of us not only have to face it ourselves, but face it with those that we love. And uh, that's one of the things I love about the Bible, which is the stories of old tell us about the stories that we're currently dealing with and the story in the future, well into the future, it's going to be different where there is no more death. There is no more dying, which gives mm -hmm. us that ultimate hope, right? Yeah. Reminds me of Mark Twain who said once that the truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But yeah, it's out of the, once again, the brokenness of our lives, um, even tragedies that God is at his best in terms of being able to relate and connect with us and to offer us hope uh, and a path forward, whatever that might be. Hey, yeah, exactly. 
So, well, Buster, I think we've covered this lesson uh, pretty well, and uh, we're moving at a, at a good clip through here, through Genesis. We've got a couple more weeks. We're going to be uh, uh, pursuing a, a, a new quarter and everything else. Um, I know that we're in the midst of transition as, as we're in the process of moving, but I know that even in the middle of our summer plans, I'm actually on vacation, and you're in the middle of, of field school, but we're going to yes, keep sir. this podcast going. So. Um, I'm excited that we can uh, keep uh, continue doing that. I know we'll be at the NAD uh, Ministerial, the Called Convention this summer. So if, if any of you that are listening are there, uh, be sure to look us up while, while we're there this summer. Exactly. You know, we're looking, looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, that's another wrap for this week's lesson. This is Soup. And Swoops, signing, signing out. Signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.